Al-Bayan Radio presents the following program presented by Sheikh Jalal al-Shami. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. We praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wa ask Allah to send his peace and blessings on his final messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We continue with our series of addressing the common mistakes that are uh, common or widespread among the Muslims. And we're speaking about the common mistakes in Salah. And we're up to point number 27, raising the hands at the time of sujood, prostration, or raising the hands from the position of sujood. So we know that at certain points in the Salah, we raise our hands. But some people, they raise their hands before going into sujood or after rising from sujood, the prostration. This is in opposition to the well-known sunnah, which has been narrated by most of the companions who narrated which position the hand should be raised to. It is befitting to adhere to the well-known sunnah, except in the case when the students of knowledge are alone with each other. In this case, he can do what he deems most correct from the sunnah, which the general viewpoint of the scholars opposes. But as for when he is in front of the people, he should do what is well known, uh, what is well known and known from the sunnah, which most of the scholars are upon. The well-known sunnah, which must be adhered to, is that there are four places where the hands are raised. The opening takbir, when the bowing for the takbir, raising the hands from the ruku'ah, and standing after the third rikah. Okay, so these are what is most authentically narrated from the Prophet Most Muslims you find that when they begin the salah, they raise their hands to say Allahu Akbar. And it is authentically narrated in the sunnah that the Prophet would raise his hands before going into ruku'ah and they raise his hands as he rises from ruku'ah. So this is the third time. And then when he gets up to the third rak'ah, he would raise his hands. So from the second rak'ah, when he gets up to the third rak'ah. These four places are what are confirmed in the sunnah to do. Now what was the shaykh saying before? There is a narration that says that the Prophet used to raise his hands in every movement of the salah. But the vast majority of the scholars understood this to be applied to, so this is a general statement, that is applied to the four places. Because these are the most apparent places of the raising of the hands. Yani what are the other places before going into sujood, when rising from sujood? These are not very apparent places. So even though someone could argue this, but this is not what is most apparent from the sunnah, and this is not the opinion of the vast majority of the scholars. So if we see that people are upon something which is based on the sunnah, then we should adhere to that. To, to follow an opinion that is not well-founded, that maybe could be possibly right, and that goes against the general practice of the Muslims, this is not wise to do. A person, if he's really convinced of it, do it in private. Because if you do these actions that are not, don't have a strong basis and are not supported by the scholars, are not widespread practices, will cause confusion between the people. Okay? So like we took the topic of placing the hands on the chest. Most of... Yani, uh, yani, most of the, the, the mashaykh and the, the scholars adopted the interpretation of the hadiths 
that the right hand should be put on the left hand on the chest. And you have some brothers that they studied something here or there, and they put their hands below their belly, especially in a masjid that is predominantly following this way. And they cause confusion between the people. So if these opinions are something that is adopted by the majority and is yani, based on the sunnah, of course something's not based on the sunnah, even if the majority of people are doing it, we don't, we're not obliged ourselves to it. But if something that is applied by, and is based on the sunnah, and understood by the majority of scholars, and this is an opinion adopted by the masses of the people that uh, in that jama'ah, in that country, or in that place, even in that masjid, then it's not wise to do something that opposes it, if it, even if there is, let us say, an opinion or there is some room for it. Because it will cause confusion between يعني, the, the masses of the Muslims. So this is important. And this is important as well, generally as well, that not to oppose the jama'ah of the Muslims. Bismillah. So, as we said, the, the sunnah that is established is that Rasulullah would raise his hands in four places. In the takbirat al-ihram, raising his hands before the ruku'ah, raising his hands after rising from the ruku'ah, and then raising his hands when getting up from the second rak'ah to the third rak'ah. Uh, this is narrated by Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhuma in Sahih al-Bukhari and Muslim. So it's a very strong narration. أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يرفع يديه حذو من كبيه إذا افتتح الصلاة وإذا كبر للركوع وإذا رفع رأسه من الركوع رفعهما كذلك. So the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم used to raise his hands to the shoulder level when he started to pray. As all of the Muslims they do. To the shoulder level or to the level of the ease. Okay? Not higher than that and not lower than that. And the hand should be raised, the palms facing the qibla, flat. Some people, they raise, they raise their hands like this. Or they do karate chop. Alright? Or they just put their hands up to their chest. The hand should be raised correctly in the level of the shoulders, on the level of the ears maximum, between these two levels. Similar to how you are in sujood. As well in sujood, the hands are not in front of the chest. They are in line with the shoulders and maximum to the level of the ears. Not more than that, not less than that. So Rasulullah used to raise his hands to the shoulder level when he started the prayer. And he would say Allahu Akbar before bowing in ruku'ah and when he raised his head from the ruku'ah. So when he raises from the ruku'ah, Sami Allahu liman hamidah, he would also raise his hands. So this hadith, this one narration, has how many places? Three. Okay, so this hadith in Bukhari Muslim. The narration of Abdullah bin Umar radiallahu anhumah. And another narration says, وَلَا يَفْعَلُ ذَلِكَ حِينَ يَسْجُدُ وَلَا حِينَ يَرْفَعُ رَأْسَهُ مِنَ السُّجُودِ and another narration adds, and it said he did not do that when he prostrated or when, he's, when he raised his head from prostration. Another narration collected in Muslim said, He did not do that when he raised his head from sujood, from prostration. And Ibn Umar radiallahu anhumah, he said, كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إذا قام من الركعتين كبر ورفع يديه. So this is another narration. Uh, from Abdullah bin Umar 
and this narration is in Sunan Abi Dawood. When the Messenger of Allah stood at the end of two rak'at, he uttered the takbir and raised his hand. So this tells us, takbir number which one? Hmm? The fourth. We said there's four places in the salah where you raise your hands. The first hadith of Abdullah bin Umar and Bukhari Muslim mentions the three. The beginning of the salah, before ruku' and when raised, rising from ruku' and this other narration Sunan Abi Dawood mentions when starting the third rakah. Okay, some of, some of the imams rush through the prayer without tranquility, without giving those following them ability to become tranquil in the prayer and recite Surah Al-Fatiha, especially in the final rakah. So it's important, especially the imam, prays with tranquility. Because he's not only praying for himself, he's praying for everyone else. And so to give others a chance to be tranquil in their standing, to be tranquil in their ruku'ah, to be tranquil in their standing after ruku'ah, to be tranquil in their sujood, to be tranquil in their sitting, to be tranquil in their sujood, to be tranquil in their sitting for the tashahud. Many times we pray behind imams, we don't even have a chance to read even Surah Al-Fatiha. Sometimes we don't even get through half of Surah Al-Fatiha. And you think, if I didn't even read Surah Al-Fatiha, how did the Imam read it? You find maybe when the Imam is reading out loud, MashaAllah, beautiful recitation. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. MashaAllah, beautiful recitation. And then when he's reading to himself, Allahu Akbar. You don't even have a chance. The qira'ah, when you are reading silently, should be exactly the same as your qira'ah when you're reading out loud. Why you want to beautify your voice when you're reading out loud, but then when you read silently, it... No. You recite even to yourself silently. Long, proper tajweed, take a pause after every ayah. That's how we should be reading all the time, not only out loud. Maybe out of ignorance, maybe something more dangerous than that. Rasulullah Salah is the same. The Imam should pray the same, whether he's leading the people, whether anyone can hear him or not hear him. The Imam is praying for the sake of Allah, not for the sake of the people. To hear his voice or not hear his voice is the same, whether there's someone there or no one there. That's how it should be. And this is how we should be as well. When we're praying fard prayer or sunnah prayer, whether we're praying alone or with people, the Prophet ﷺ, he said, that what I fear most for my ummah is a shirk al-khafi. They said, what's a shirk al-khafi? What's the hidden shirk? Showing off, he said, that a man beautifies his prayer for people to see him. Many of us, Nasrullah al-Afi, fall into this. We're praying alone, our prayer is something. We're praying in front of people, prayer is something else. And it's a big fitna, especially for the imams. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from shirk, that which is open and that which is secret, that which is hidden and that which is not hidden. So the qira'ah and the ruku' and the standing should all be relaxed. And the imam doesn't just consider himself, but considers those behind him. Even makes consideration for the weakest one. 
And sometimes you have elderly people, it takes time for them to move into position and to settle into a position. You find some imams, mashallah, ruku' and standing, ruku' like they're doing aerobics. Like the people behind you, maybe there's elderly, they, they, they're still bending to get into ruku' and mashallah, already in sujood. No. You have to be considerate, give a time. Wallahi, sometimes we barely have chance to say one tasbih, one subhana rabbil azim in the ruku'. The imam's already up. You're chasing after him. Catch you. You need a breath afterwards. Allah, this is in salah. Salah should be a time for the imam when he when he prays to pray. His salah should be the best salah because the imam is a leader. The imam is as if he is presenting his salah and the salah of all the jama'ah behind him to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's their leader, he's their role model. It's like when you go to a king and you appoint a spokesman for you. Who do you appoint? The best person to represent you, to stand before you and represent you, and to petition Allah on your behalf. It's a very critical situation. And some of our imams that have these shortcomings, they don't understand the gravity of it. And they don't pray in a way that is becoming. And so we have to advise our imams. And wallahi, I say because this happened to me. Once I prayed, and I didn't realize that I prayed so quickly. One man, Jazakallah khairan, may Allah reward him. He came up to me and he said, Sheikh, you prayed so fast. I've never prayed so fast like that in my life. And then from that day, it always sticks in my head. That this isn't appropriate for an imam to lead the prayer like that. Because the prayer that's quick, it takes away the khushu'ah. And it could even be invalidating to the salah if it's too quick and a person doesn't fulfill the ruku' and the sujood and the tasbihat and so on. As the Messenger وسلم, when he saw the men praying, going up and down quickly without tranquility and stability in every position, he said, Go back and pray. He didn't pray. That prayer is not accepted. Go back and you have to pray again. And that was a sunnah prayer. How about the fard prayer? But we have to be very careful. The imam is responsible for having a good and sound prayer because the people take him as an example. So it is upon him to investigate and study the sunnah. And the Prophet ﷺ, the sunnah of his prayer is that he would take time in the recitation. Every letter you are able to distinguish. In school, did you ever do dictation? You know what dictation is? When the teacher reads out and you have to like doing a spelling test kataba rasama bayta have you ever done an arabic test like that the the teacher reads it very clearly very slowly bayta kataba why so that does a kataba bayta because then you might miss a letter to show which is the long letter, which is the short, to distinguish each vowel, long vowel, short vowel, every harakah. Batta, not batta, batta. To distinguish every letter. That's how Rasulullah he would read. Read very clearly that every letter can be distinguished. Not reading all mumbo jumbo. Reading slowly, وَرَتِّلِ الْقُرْآنَ تَرْتِيلًا Pausing at the end of every ayah 
so they can reflect and think about the ayat that you're reading. And his recitation was long and enjoyable, not too burdening, especially if he's leading the jama'ah prayer. And then his ruku' was similar to the length of his standing. And then his rising from the ruku' was similar to his ruku'. Then his sujood was similar to each part of the salah was similar amounts. You have some people that might read one page in the qira'ah, then ruku' and sujood all quick. No. How long your qira'ah is? Then in direct proportion should be the length of your ruku'ah. The length of your standing, the length of the sujood, the length of the sitting, the length of the sujood, same. Not exactly the same, but proportionately. Not to the second. And wallahi, sometimes it's only seconds. Difference between a calm prayer and a rushed prayer. Seconds, wallahi, seconds. Just take a few seconds. When you pray calmly, Take your time in the rukuah. Take your time in saying, because most of us do a rukuah. Most of us. It's all mumble jumble. I call it uh, the cookie monster. You know the cookie monster when he's going. It's all mumbled. Say your tasbih slowly and clearly. Subhana Rabbi al Think about the greatness of Allah. Think about the perfection of Allah. Say it slowly. Say it thoughtfully. Reflect. Stop at the end of every tasbih. Subhana Rabbi al Subhana Rabbi al Say it slowly. Why are you in a rush for? What's more important than salah? You have something more important to do? There's nothing in the world more important than your salah. And as I said, it's wallahi the difference of seconds. A few seconds. When the ruku'ah is a bit long, you think, oh, the shaykh too. But in reality, it's only a few seconds longer. A few seconds longer in the standing, in the ruku'ah, in the sujood. But this makes a difference between a rushed prayer and a prayer that's tranquil, a prayer that's relaxing, a prayer that's reflective. And Rasulullah all of every position of the salah, was rested and was the same. Not qira is long, ruku' is fast, standing, and then sujood, mashallah, he's got khushu'ah, that wants to make a lot of dua in the sujood. La, it's not from the sunnah to do. You want to do dua in the sujood, it should be similar to your ruku'ah, similar to your standing, like this. Or some people, what they do, they pray all of the prayer, and then the last sujood, they make it very long. Longer than the others. It's not from the sunnah to do. The sunnah is that every aspect, every position of the salah should be similar length. That means how long do we read in the Fatiha and maybe half a page from the Quran? Short surah, like our brother read Surah Al-Duha and Surah Al-Sharh. So that should be similar to how we do our ruku'ah. It's similar how we stand after ruku'ah, similar how we make sujood. This was the salah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. This was the sunnah. And this is how our imams should be, should be leading. Because why? Then the people will start praying like that. And I remember the first time I prayed behind an imam who prayed according to the sunnah, it changed my whole life. Because I used to pray like many of us pray. 
And then like I'm finished passing three times. Why is the imam still in rukuah? And then like it sort of dawned on me, why am I in a rush? Let me enjoy my rukuah. And I started to enjoy the rukuah. Started to enjoy my standing. Started to enjoy my sujood. Why in a rush for? Enjoy these motions. And then you have a Muslim who says, Wallah, I'm so stressed. I want to go to a, a yoga retreat. Why do you want to go to a yoga retreat? Because they do meditation or kada, and because I'm so stressed, I go, We have salah, and you're Muslim, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. Yeah, yeah, but I need to, I need, I'm too stressed in my work. Akhi, do you know that yoga is the salah of the Hindus? You left the salah of the Muslims, you go and do the salah of the Hindus. Go read what the Hindus, even the Hindus, they upset all of these people, they're doing their salah, they've stolen their salah. This is our worship. Actually, it's not their worship. This is their way not to worship God. Listen to this very carefully. The Hindus, they don't worship God. They worship so that they can become God. In their understanding. You want to imitate them? You want to do that? Ya Muslim, ya la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. Why? Because we have lost the salah. We have lost the meaning of the salah. We don't find tranquility in the salah. We don't find rest in the salah. We do the salah as a burden just to get it over and done with. And then we have stress and we need to do meditation and we need to do mabarashu. The salah is our rest. The salah is our reflection time. The salah is our meditation time, is our thought time, is our prayer time. And one of them, he says, but they say, you know, they say, um, you know this um? Um is their prayer. But they're calling Am Rama. They're saying, oh Rama, they're God, Rama. He says, when they say Um, I say Allah, mashallah. <laughs> Makes a halal, halal shirk. So the Imam... It's important for the Imam to have the sound prayer because the people take him as an example. So it's upon the Imam to investigate and study the Sunnah. And if our Imam is making a mistake, Wallahi, there's no harm in advising our Imam in a kind way. As I experience that myself, and I benefit from that, and I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless the brother. Tranquility is a prayer, tranquility is a pillar of the prayer, and is even more affirmed as it relates to the Imam. Because he is follow, uh, sorry, tranquility is the pillar of the prayer and is even more affirmed as it relates to the Imam. Because he is followed as, as an example. So who should be the one who displays most tama'nina and, and tranquility in the salah? The Imam. Because he's a role model for people and show them this major problem that most people have in their salah. They don't have the tama'nina, the tranquility. That's why the Prophet said about the man who prayed badly. Likewise, reciting Al-Fatiha is a pillar of the prayer, so it is obligatory for those following the Imam to be given the opportunity to recite it. We have already mentioned the proof for tranquility and the recitation of Al-Fatiha being pillars of the prayer. So, point number 29, not giving concern to, the prost- to prostrating upon the seven bones. So as well, this is a common problem that we find many brothers doing and sisters. Especially I've taught in some of the Islamic schools. Imagine Islamic schools, kids, they pray every day in 
their Islamic schools, most, or I won't say most, a lot of the children don't pray properly. Boys and girls. Imagine, they go to the schools, Islamic schools, and they don't pray properly. If in Islamic schools they don't pray properly, how about the kids who don't go to Islamic schools? How about these kids who grow up, how are they going to pray? If I was to analyze most of the people in the masjid, you'd find, I wouldn't say majority, you'd find some who don't make sujood correctly. Either they're not putting their palms, they're putting their palms up, or they're playing with their hands, not putting their palms on the ground. Or they're putting their entire forearms on the ground, not just their palms. And they're putting their elbows and forearms on the ground, with which the Prophet ﷺ, he forbade us to do that. Only the palms. Elbows have to be off the ground. Forearms off the ground. Either they put their forehead on the floor or just their nose on the floor without their forehead. The Prophet ﷺ told us to make sujood on the forehead and pointed to his forehead and his nose. The both forehead and the, and the nose must be touching the ground. The knees have to be on the ground. I haven't seen anyone make sujood without their knees or else they're doing push-ups. And the two feet have to be touching the ground. As well, you have some of the kids, they're doing footsies. They're raising, raising their feet up in the sky uh, or they're putting one foot on top of the other. If one foot is on top of the other, do you have two feet on the ground? No, one foot is on top of the other. So both feet with the toes pointing forward have to be on the ground. Both knees on the ground, both palms on the ground. Two, 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 that's six. And then the forehead and nose, that's seven. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, So when a person prostrates, seven parts of his body prostrate with him, his forehead, his two hands, his two knees, and his two feet. Okay, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma, he said, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, I was commanded to make sujood on seven bones. To prostrate on your forehead, and he pointed to his nose. So he said forehead, but he pointed to his nose. That means forehead and nose. وَالْيَدَيْنِ And on the two hands وَالْرُكْبَتَيْنِ The two knees وَأَطْرَافِ الْقَدَمَيْنِ And the tips of the feet يعني On the toes of the feet With the toes pointed forward There are some people who don't place the forehead And nose firmly upon the ground when they make sujood Or they lift their feet Or they don't place their palms firmly on the ground All of this contradicts what has been commanded to do Last point, insha'Allah, that we'll take for today. Uh, not giving concern to leaning or learning the rules and regulations of the prayer. Most people, if you've ever asked them, have you actually learned the rules of salah? Sat down in a class and know exactly what is obligatory, what is a pillar, what is sunnah. Most Muslims, they just learn how to pray from their mom, from their dad, from their grandfather, from their grandmother, or what they picked up here and there. They never actually learnt formally the sunnah of the salah. This opposes the manner in which the Muslims should conduct themselves. For surely the prayer is the greatest physical pillar of Islam. Allah has commanded us to establish the prayer. Allah Ta'ala says, salah. There are 70 verses or more containing this command in the Qur'an. More than 70 commands in the Qur'an. salah. And it's not possible to establish the prayer without knowing its rules and regulations and knowing the manner of the Prophet's prayer sallallahu The prayer is from the actions of which no one is allowed to be ignorant. 
its rulings must be known, as well as its conditions, pillars, obligations, and its rulings for the prostration of forgetfulness and the like. It is obligatory to know these rulings. Not knowing these rulings could cause the Muslim to be ignorant of what invalidates his prayer, and Allah is the one who guides and grants success. And Rasulullah he said in the hadith, Sallu kama usalli. Pray as you have seen me pray. Have we seen the Prophet pray? Then how can we fulfill this command? By learning from what has been narrated from those that have seen the Prophet pray. So the Sahaba saw the Prophet pray and they narrated it in the hadith. And so when we read the hadith and we learn the salah from the hadith, then we can see as if we can, it's almost visualize the prayer of the Prophet And as well, Rasulullah once he demonstrated the salah on the mimbar, imagine today's khutbah is, a, is about prayer. How many people would like that? People say, oh, Sheikh, what are you talking about? The ummah is, you know, the ummah is upside down. You're coming teaching us Rasulullah demonstrated the salah on the mimbar. But just when he made the ruku' and sujood, he came down and made sujood on the floor. But imagine, that's how important it is. Because if your salah isn't right, what hope do you have for the rest of your religion? Some people say, Akhi, we need to establish Akhi, if you don't even pray correctly, how are you going to establish khilafah or other than khilafah? The salah is the most important thing. The first thing Rasulullah he established when he came to Medina was the masjid. And called the people to the salah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the seventh heaven commanded Rasulullah to salah. Without salah, what, can, what community can you build? If, there, if, the, if the Muslim isn't willing to sacrifice for salah, then what do you expect him to sacrifice for other than that? Someone who doesn't pray, he's going to, be, he's going to care about khilafah or not khilafah? The salah is the first thing. And that's why يعني, when salah is lost, everything is lost. This is why Rasul, uh, يعني, the, uh, the, uh, Allah Ta'ala, he says, uh, يعني, about salah, he says, فَخَلَفَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ خَلْفٌ أَضَاعُوا الصَّلَاةِ وَاتَّبَعُوا الشَّهَوَاتِ Then people came after them who lost the prayer and they followed their desires. A lot of people, they say, look at these people, subhanAllah, so many Muslims committing major sins and so on and so on. What's the solution for them to leave their sins? Salah. Wallahi, if the Muslims prayed properly, they would give up major sins. They would give up their sins. And the scholars, they said, whoever gives up salah, whoever loses their prayer, then anything other than the prayer, he's going to lose it even more. And this person who doesn't care about his prayer, do you think he's going to care about anything else? The salah is the most important thing for the Muslim. If the salah isn't established firmly in the heart of the Muslim, then what are you banking on? For we have to learn the salah, you know, and we have to pray and learn how to pray correctly. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us and our children and our families. رَبَّنَا جَعَلْنِي مُقِيمَ الصَّلَاةِ وَمِنْ ذُرِّيَّتِي رَبَّنَا وَتَقَبَّلْ دُعَاءِ وهذا والله أعلم صلى الله عليه وسلم على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم جزاكم الله خيرا